This episode of Hot Trash Unlimited brought to you by Twizzlers. Twizzlers twists for only the twistiest of movies. Give me a moment's peace and take out that trash. We pay taxes for people to come and take the garbage. Hey, listen, Greeny, no more sneaking rides to the junkyard. Yeah, man, take a taxi when you want to go to the junkyard. Hello and welcome to Hot Trash Unlimited, the show where we go to the theater, watch things to decide whether or not they are hot trash. I'm Caleb. I'm Joe. Joe, what did we see this week? We saw The Turning. Jeez, your friends must love it here. I have no friends. You have no friends? Yep. Well, you have one now. (laughs) Maybe. May I ask how the parents died? Miles? Nothing should have to suffer. It's not that simple. I don't go in that part of the house. Why not? Don't wanna. Another movie in the latest installment of It's January. I mean, not not anymore at the recording of this, but during the release... It's January. It's January. Um, so I have to say, I, I had a great time at the theater today because it's I only got, changed in the last 10 minutes. I got, no, it, it started when we walked up to the booth. Oh. <laughs> I, so something I haven't been talking about because, uh, I want to get him on the podcast. We have a, a fan favorite, a podcast favorite, uh, guy who works at our favorite. theater at, uh, the Beagle cinemas here, uh, in Nashville. There's a guy was, his name's Evan, right? Yeah. We we weren't quite sure about his name because his name tag was always obscured. But Evan works it, at it, the. It says on the at the kiosk when it's you're yeah, being checked out by Evan yeah. or served or whatever. Evan works at the box office. It's the only reason I go to the box office instead of the kiosks. <laughs> and uh, he's just. How would you describe Evan? Um, uh, disassociated. Yeah, that's a good word. <laughs> I'm pretty sure half the times we've gone up to him, he has looked like he is asleep. And he was least, asleep one time. Yeah, at least one time he was definitely <laughs> asleep. Also, every other time we've gone up to the booth, I feel, and Evan wasn't there, I feel like we have had bad experiences. Evan may look like he despises his job with every ounce of his being, but he knows how to do it. Yeah. He, there that one time I had the free ticket and we, it just became an extended conversation of how to use my free ticket. Remember that one time Evan wasn't there and the person carded you for, <laughs> for Terminator? We thought he got fired. Or we haven't quit. Seen him, we haven't seen him in like a month. No, Alex, our friend of the show, Alex, pointed out because he used to work at Beagle Cinemas. No one, no one gets fired. Yeah. So, although if anyone could, I, I bet Evan brought a couple ounces of something into the... <laughs> We were afraid that he quit, maybe found a job that made him happy. But no, he's Thankfully, still there. He's still there. And then I got the best deal on the menu, my uh, chicken nuggets <laughs> or chicken strips. Only a dollar more than the popcorn. This is this is the episode where I bring all our running jokes off the podcast onto it. So that movie we saw. Oh yeah, then we saw the turning. <laughs> Joe, what's the turning about? Um Mackenzie Davis is a uh, newly newly anointed living nanny. Governess. Living nanny for... Well, but she also teaches. That's true. Um, for uh, this this little girl and her brother. And they, there's also a uh, housekeeper who's old and creepy. And spooky things happen an hour into the movie. We get the uh, that one jump scare. 
just to remind us that this is a <laughs> this horror is in movie. fact a horror movie. So, so it's been thirty minutes. I we might have forgotten at this point. And then you know it goes another thirty, 30 minutes. minutes without anything happening. Yeah. So yeah, this is a you know it's kind of your classic gothic. Um, haunted house movie, kind Early of. Early 2000s, by the way. Yeah, when did Kurt Cobain die? Like 2001, I think. I, I'm going to be horribly wrong. Watch this. I thought it was in the 90s. I, I thought, thought it was like... Kurt Cobain. I thought it was 96. <laughs> 94, I am wrong. <laughs> okay, the, this movie starts... Because we have a timeline. It starts April 7th, 94, because Kurt Cobain has died two days before. Well, it, there's a cold open, so it starts a little bit before. But yes, this movie... The only reason we know it's set in the 90s is because of TV. Kurt Cobain has just died. Yeah, TV report announces and that Kurt Cobain died. I would still buy that. If that was in a movie, I'd be like, okay, this is a timeless kind of period piece. Mm. But then, like, this very directly sets it in the 90s. I was I was just, that was, it didn't bother me, but it was more just, eh, that's a weird choice to do. There's no need to do this. I would accept anything. Well, it's just one of those things where it's like, when I think gothic horror, I do not think the 90s. <laughs> 94. <laughs> There's kind of a mystery element to it, kind of a psychological... Do you think this movie wants us to question whether or not there is a supernatural element? I don't know if it wants us to question it. I think it has a supernatural element. We'll get into that. Well, yeah. I, by the, the entire end, it movie it is, is leading into having a suture. It might not be. Okay. That's the thing. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But the I, entire movie, it's leading you to believe there's a supernatural element. And then at the very end, at the, in the last 20 minutes, they insert this plot point that it might not be supernatural. And then in the last 10 minutes, they just throw everything for a loop. But for the first ending of the movie, yes. let, let's treat this like the fake ending is the real ending. Mm-hmm. I wasn't, I was kind of disappointed because I feel like it's in this weird litmus space between. This is a psychological horror and maybe it's like vaguely supernatural or not, or it's just a straight supernatural horror. I'm fine with either ends, but it feels like it's kind of playing a game where it does things that are clearly supernatural, like the mannequin's head turning and stuff by itself. That doesn't lead to anything. I kept waiting for that to come back. Um, and then uh, I'm guessing I'm guessing the ghost of Quint walking into uh, Finn Wolfhard's room. Yeah, but then like I feel like there's enough other stuff where you can be like, is this is she imagining or is this a character, either the nanny or Finn Wolfhard, doing things to her? I feel like it doesn't commit, and I wonder if it's unfair for me to be mad at it about that. No, it isn't because the the twist the twisty ending is everything to be mad at about. Yeah, no, but this is even before the twisty ending. Oh, okay, this is before like even most of the scares start. I just feel like it is very confused or well, I feel like it goes back and forth on the information it wants the audience. Well, like you to said, have. They, they 30 minutes in, they throw a random jump scare in there just to remind you, this is supposed to be a horror movie. Yeah. Do you think it's a movie that's held back by its horror conventions? Yeah, I think so. I think if they hadn't, I mean, even the marketing, we saw this trailer gajillion times and there's nothing in the trailer where I'm, I, I, you can't figure out what the scariest thing is. Some trailer is very clear. The nun. There's a scary nun. This you couldn't. You I couldn't picture what the scares were in any of the marketing. And I don't think the movie because there there isn't a prime scare thing. Because I think it is more supposed to be in your head, but but then it kind of goes back on that by needing yeah. to scare you. Yeah. Yeah. I think the mannequin head turn is a good example of that because like. I would have honestly been more creeped out if they had just held on the mannequin head. I know. I thought they were going to for a second. It held it for a second. I was like, oh, they're actually going to, it's not going to turn. And then it did turn. I will say it does use some 
uh, the horror elements really well, kind of the standard ones, um, some shot types. Like when she's in the room with all the mannequins, Mm -hmm. putting the camera over the shoulder of one to create like a voyeuristic feel, like the scene in the bathtub, which I feel like is in every single horror movie. Like I feel like it uses some of these elements Very trippy. What do you think of the cast in this? I think... Of the five people we have, I'm not going to count the ghosts because I don't think they have anything to do because there's her friend. Yeah. Um, Rose. I don't Why do I remember the most random <laughs> characters' names? I don't remember Mackenzie Davis' name, but I remember Rose's name. She's good. Finn Wolfhard is doing something. I think he's doing exactly what he was directed to do. I don't think it's working. That's a good way of putting it. I uh, I like Flora. Yeah. Housekeeper lady is is substantially creepy. Job well done. Barbara Martin is the housekeeper lady. Um, I feel like I had seen her in something. I hadn't, but she's good. <laughs> Feels like she knows exactly what kind oh, yeah. of movie this needs to be. Oh yeah. Not that the other actors don't. I just feel like she fits into. The I world think everybody's being directed well enough. Just some aspects aren't really working. Yeah. So I want to talk about Brooklyn Prince, who played Flora. Um, she was in. Well, I consider one of the best movies of the last decade, uh, the Florida project where she plays, um, this kid growing up in a motel, uh, in, in Orlando and she, you know, runs around and gets in trouble and does kid things. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a movie that tries to be as realistic as possible. She is very convincing in it. I completely buy that. She's this character. Mooney is the name of the character in this. I feel it took some adjusting because it's clear from like, the the dialogue she has and some of the stuff she has to do it's like okay this is not a real kid yeah but i feel like she has that same natural talent that she had in florida project it's just not as well utilized she she has that kind of fun loving atmosphere where i buy it and she's a happy enough looking kid to where it feels very natural when she's just being a fun kid yeah and she has some really fun moments yeah but then there's parts where um finn wolfhard's character had put just a bunch of needles in them on mannequin boobs and she goes that's tacky kid wouldn't say that or something but what about kid in the 90s <laughs> this kid's older than us joe <laughs> i think she was the standout for me yeah i would put either her or honestly i think Mackenzie davis is doing a Good job here. She's very expressive. Yeah. The problem is, is that she's wearing this wig that's <laughs> not very convincing. <laughs> it's those bangs, man. It's the, the unconvincing bangs that do it every time. It feels like uh, Nicole Kidman's wig in Bombshell. <laughs> oh, don't remind me. Yeah, I do think there are some moments where Mackenzie Davis kind of saves some unnecessary reaction shots with her expressions. Mm-hmm. So as the movie goes on, it's revealed that it's haunted by two ghosts. There is the ghost of the uh, governess before then. Something like that. I think it was Ginny, but with something that made it different. Yeah. Let me look. I have the cast list up. Jessel. Jessel. (laughs) Jessel. And Quint, who was the caretaker or... He was the stable man, the quartermaster, I thought was what they said. Yeah, yeah. And then as the movie goes on, it's kind of a mystery of, oh, what happened to Jessel? And it turns out that... Jessel's in the beginning of the movie. She's in the cold open. She's trying to escape. And at least we think, according to the first ending, which we are taking as gospel for now, until we open that Pandora's jar, um, we think that Jessel has been killed by Quint and that her ghost is like trying to get Mackenzie Davis to discover this, and Quinn's yeah, trying sure. to ghost stop it. Yeah, sure. Ghost keeps showing up, and like, "Help me" or something. Yeah, leading her to certain clues of the mystery. Which I like. I like the idea. I, I like 
non-threatening ghosts mm-hmm. and things, especially gothic horror. Although this also has a ghostly horror because the ghost of Quentin is in this. But I like when ghosts are just adjacent to the actual problems of the characters. Although she is trying to be a helpful ghost, she does have the haunted mansion effect, as I like to call it, or the or the boo from Mario effect, where <laughs> you look down from the mirror and she appears, and then you look back up and she's gone. <laughs> Oh, no. And it keeps happening. The Mario 64, I forget which level it is, but it's the one with all the booze. That, yeah. creeped, that creeped me out as a kid. <laughs> the Haunted Mansion level. Yeah. yeah, that was scary. <laughs> but were the effects in this scary? Seamless transition. There were effects in this movie? <laughs> this movie really, like a lot of horror movies of this like tier, I feel like it succeeds a lot when it's not trying to be directly scary. Yeah, it is. It's when the scare it's the most painfully boring scares where it's just swells and a lot of reverb. Mm-hmm. Nice hall verb. Were there any moments of because I think there are two types of scares, right? There's there's ghostly scares and there's Finn Wolfhard being an edgy teen. <laughs> um extremely edgy. He gets expelled from boarding school at the beginning of this and mm-hmm. they say it's because he attacked a student. I think it's because he convinced Kurt Cobain to commit suicide. <laughs> Not too soon. No. Kurt Cobain died two years before I was born, so like his death means nothing to me. No, nothing nothing supremely scary. I like the hands. I guess. They're kind of out of nowhere. Is it because she sees the hand on the chain? The mannequin hand on the chain? I, I don't know. Man. Couldn't tell you. There's kind of a creepy part where um, Finn Wolfhard's feeding a spider to his pet tarantula. I wasn't expecting a tarantula to pop out of there. So. Yeah. Well, you expect it, there to be a spider, and then there's bigger spider. Then there's a bigger spider. It didn't exactly scare me, but it wasn't expected. Yeah, no, they they have a total of three spiders. That's a that's a big spider budget for a movie that's not Spider-Man. Yeah. Honestly, that's bigger than most Spider-Man budgets. <laughs> spiders don't play a big part in it, believe it or not. They're kind of only in the first movies. Has there been a spider in any of the Tom Holland? Sorry, I have no, to bring Tom Holland it. into every one of these. Can we no, there has not been a spider to my knowledge. Can we have a dutiful listener go back and rewatch the Tom Holland Spider-Man movies? Because we're sure I'm not. not going yeah, to. yeah. None of the none of the Finn Wolfhard scares are scary. He starts off as this kind of he's nice, he's nice enough, and then he just gets angstier and angstier throughout the movie. Or he just just has a dead stare and his lip hangs open. He's playing the drums. It's a great scene. He's she trying smashes to, a koi. He's trying to exercise Mackenzie Davis from his room. Nothing should have to suffer. Nothing should have to suffer. With these trailers that we see over and over again, because just for full context, I'll walk out on the trailers for movies I want to see. Yes. So like New Mutants, Quiet Place 2, I, I walked out on, right? This one I did not care about. <laughs> so, like, we've seen this over and over again. And so there's just, like, for Joe, it's the suffer line. For me, it's him drumming. Can you please stop? We, the- we have moments from the trailers we look very much forward to in some movies. And then they don't happen sometimes. And it's extremely disappointing. Yeah, like, no one told me there was going to be a dragon. Hello, Barry. Hello, lunch. So for the majority of the movie, I would actually say it's an okay horror movie. It plays its gothic beats like very well. It just it never does anything to really elevate it. And it's kind of this awkward space between do you want this to be psychological? Do you want this to be supernatural? Mm-hmm. But then we open up our pack of Twizzlers twists. So um Mackenzie Davis finds the body of Jessel, starts freaking out. Well, first she gets some paintings from her mom. Who is oh. crazy. 
who is who has appeared in one scene of this movie prior. We know she's crazy because she sits in a swimming pool and doesn't wear makeup. And paints. She gets some charcoal paintings from her mom that her mom was making at the beginning of the movie. And they're just black with some holes in them. And then uh, the housekeeper had opened up her mail. She's like, I hope her madness isn't genetic. Because clearly from the from the charcoal paintings, you can tell the woman who made these is insane. Mackenzie Davis finds the body of Jessel in the pond, runs back in. And it's like, it was Quint who did it. Yeah, I we, knew it all along. We get some ghostly apparitions. Oh, yeah, show. that happens. And then uh, the housekeeper is like, no, I made sure Quint could never do it again. I took care of him myself. And then the ghost Quint pushes her over the railing. The housekeeper, that is, not Mackenzie Davis. And um, then they get in the car and they leave. Well-executed segment all around. And they were driving out. I'm like, okay, there has to be something here because this is anticlimactic. But in the back of my mind, I'm like, <laughs> can it just be anticlimactic? Can we just end it here? Nope. It zooms out of the darkness into the charcoal painting, and she's back where she opened up the painting. We respond, y'all. It's a we have to restart the level again. It's Got the, the wrong it's ending. The Stanley's parable. Uh- effect do you think that the director got this script but they accidentally printed off the wrong version of the script they had the old ending and it was stapled in and then they had the new ending stapled on but then she's like oh wait there's two endings gotta make gotta make sense of this Finn Wolfhard's creepy again. Mackenzie Davis accidentally breaks one of Flora's dolls. Uh, Flora's not too happy about it. And then she overhears him saying, why is she crazy? And then all of a sudden, she's in the swimming pool with her mom. And her mom's around. And we don't see what's on her phone's face. But Mackenzie Davis screams. And the movie ends. It ends with Mackenzie Davis. I guess it's Mackenzie Davis. It's probably a hand double they had. But this hand just caressing the walls as the credits scroll. Joe, you and me had polar opposite reactions when the zoom out happened. Explain your end of things the zoom out of into the charcoal charcoal painting yeah i was the respawn sorry the respawn yeah i was um under the impression of yeah uh, it's gonna be anticlimactic what i mean kind of fits the movie the movie itself is anticlimactic and it has to have a twist has to be so twisty the ghosts weren't real or were they or is she insane or is it both is it a premonition is it something else she ends up just being in the pool and her mom may not have a face, or it's a spooky face, or her mom was Flora the entire time. I don't know. The movie doesn't. It's so bizarre. Yet, I wanted to commit so hard. This, this, this ending confuses me. Yeah. Why is it called The Turning? Because... What turned? Well, the book is called... It's based on a book called The Turning of the Screw. Um, the Turn of the Screw. The Turn of the Screw. So I guess it's just they didn't want to take the name from the book. But it's like, you know, it's like there are constantly things that are just slightly turning, making her crazier. I think I think what gets me is that this movie commits so hard to just such a goofy twist. And mm-hmm. then it almost immediately yeets itself out of there. Because mm-hmm. like three minutes after the twist, it just smash cuts to caressing the wall. Yeah. And we're done. And like it cuts to caressing the wall. And I'm like, oh, God. Are there going to be credits? Are they doing this? Are they committing to just abandoning us? And they did. We have been abandoned. Yeah. In a movie that I'm like, okay, it is following all the tropes of a horror movie. It's shot like a horror movie. Then they did something where I'm like, well, it's technically not out of character for a horror movie, but it's just... I would not have guessed that they would have actually done this. No. So is the movie tricking me? Is I because I kind of think it's it's great. Like it's obviously not. <laughs> no. 
but I'm kind of digging it. Is, is the movie tricking me, Joe? <laughs> no, like, rating. Rating now. Bad. Bad. <laughs> Stop it. Stop Dr. Sleeping this. No, no, no. Okay. It's not great. It's not great. And if it was just, if it it's just. It's boring. It's if, boring and bad. If it just ended at the beginning, I would say it's okay. But I don't know. This honestly, like, is this good? I was, I want to sit through the whole credits because I, I wanted more information. I feel like I don't know, Joe. <laughs> I'm going to say. I yeah. do. It's bad. I'm going to say it's hot trash. Oh no! But only, but only because of those last ten minutes. Oh yeah, those last ten minutes. Those last ten minutes for me take it from boring to bad, and it just went in the opposite way from you. Who makes these movies? Like gets gets through these cuts. Is like yes, this is sufficiently scary. Or do you think they admit defeat at a certain point? It's weird, right? Because I would say I've sat through a lot of screenwriting classes where people's goal has been to write a formulaic horror movie. Mm-hmm. Because horror is so experience-based for some people. not necess- I don't get scared in horror movies, so for me it is more about the themes and stuff. But for some people, they just want to get be scared, right? Mm-hmm. So sit down, write a formulaic slasher movie, right? You can do stuff with that. You can still be creative and people will still like it. So I think it would make sense if they were like, okay, just write a formulaic haunted house movie. Put in some recognizable stars. Do it on a cheap enough budget that we make bank. But then do do they look at it and be like, okay, it's formulaic enough that you can get away with that ending? That's no, more my not. question. It's not. For you, it doesn't work. For me, it works kind of, <laughs> I guess. I honestly think the movie would be better without it, but I think I enjoyed it a lot more because of it. I am curious in your your thesis, what does the producer say when he's looking at this? I don't, I don't know. I'm sure there's certain things that are like, wow, this really worked well. Then everything horror related just doesn't jive with me. Have it be Finn Wolfhard just terrorizing her. Or the ghosts. Like, or the I, ghosts. Yeah. yeah, the ghosts just kind of but then, like, don't come into play. Yeah, but then wouldn't it just be like every other horror movie? Is this one of those That's exam- fine. Is this one, yeah, is this one of those examples where the argument that things should be original is kind of dumb because original doesn't mean good? Yeah. <laughs> not that this is original. This no, is, it's not. This is a very tropey twist, but like, it's different. I'll give no, it that. That's for sure. I don't know, man. Thumbs up to the cinematographer. I would see the next thing the director does if it didn't look actively bad. I'm just confused, Joe. <laughs> I guess we all have ghosts. <laughs> <laughs>